the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And every time you go look at the news in, on the Internet or, or we're used to in the, uh, in the newspaper, you realize the importance of getting more people to fulfill the obligations of that most important political office. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host, Don Dix, who is again broadcasting from his secret underground bunker somewhere in Southern California. Welcome, Don. It's great to be with you once again for our weekly opportunity to bring uh, some perspective to some of the things that are unfolding uh, throughout the uh, state of California and this country. Um this most important job of being a citizen. Uh, interesting that there was an, uh, a group of citizens that besieged Diane Feinstein, scolding her over, uh, you know, not voting for the Green New or wanting her to vote for the Green New Deal. We'll cover that in a moment. But uh, that is just a um, just one uh, facet, if you will, of what is uh, transpiring here in uh, the United States. We had a bunch of people, Greg, that went up to Sacramento this past weekend to right, vote also known on. As, what's that? I say also known as Sodom and Gomorrah North. Yeah, you know it was a pretty tame trip there, but there were a, there's a lot of homeless people uh, in and around Sacramento. Yeah, I'm former Republican sure legislators. Are, I was going to say, I'm not sure if those are staffers that are out of work because of the uh, Republic, former Republican staffers. Uh, there was one interesting, uh, well, there was a lot interesting, but there was one rather poignant moment when I was walking from our hotel on Saturday evening to where the California uh, Tea Party California Caucus was having their Saturday night dinner uh, at the Claim Jumper. And as we're approaching the restaurant, we see a bunch of people standing out front that looked like they were from afar, just gathered. But as we got close, we could hear the rabble and the noise. Turns out uh, Antifa decided to join the California uh, contingent of Tea Party Patriots uh, at the claim jumper and stand outside, bang on the window, harass them. And uh, that was uh, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, uh one of our members, John Barry, was also at the convention, and he went he went out there to try to talk to them and video them on the phone, and they didn't they didn't like that, and they were all in their little masks, you know, concealing their identity, and um, you know, slow, you know, very uh, very uh, in depth discussion like no Trump, no wall, no USA at all. The chant that I heard was no Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA. That's one of their that's one of their favorites. But they were definitely there. It was a small group of about twenty, as you said. Uh, they had the traditional antifa garb of their face covered, 
And by the time we got there, the John Barry incident that you talked about had already unfolded. And I guess that individual is they're looking for that individual uh, right now. Uh, By the time I got there, I saw someone who was uh, facing off with one of the Antifas uh, and, and, and about, you know, a drop of sweat away from actually exchanging blows. And this is kind of the thing that they do. They bait people into these physical confrontations. Uh, But that one didn't materialize. But there was a lady who actually was assaulted. I did see one of their ranks getting carted off by the Sacramento police. And I got to say, I was really impressed with the Sacramento police. They were very interested in uh, getting the group separated. Uh, Seems like they were definitely on the side of law and order, uh, recognizing that Antifa is not about law and order. And they were taking statements from lots of people trying to ascertain who had assaulted who. And uh, that resulted, as I said, in one arrest that I saw, uh, got a little video of, uh, that confrontation, but you know, it just goes to show you that the, uh, uh, that, the, that these folks will do anything, uh, and everything really, uh, they're kind of desperate nowadays. It was reminiscent of what we saw unfold in Venezuela, actually, with uh, what they call the colectivitos, which I'm not sure if that's Spanish for collectivists or not. Um, but those are fascists. These people are the fascists. It's really kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And just a, on the same subject, you see the difference when the police want to keep order, then they do, and there may be some yelling and screaming and exchange of words, but there's no serious violence. On the other hand, in places like Berkeley and in Portland and other leftist Democrat-controlled cities where they want to use the Antifa street thugs to suppress the speech of people they don't want to be speaking in their cities, then they, the police stand back and let the Antifa have at it and break up the conservatives who may be trying to gather to exercise their First Amendment rights. So kudos to the Sacramento Police Department for um, doing their job. Well, they did it, and they did it with gusto. Um, There were a few complaints about the response time, but I got to, you know, policing the state's capital has got to be a – you know, a busy uh, tour of duty, particularly it was Saturday night. So they've got their usual Saturday night stuff to deal with. But you mentioned uh, you mentioned Berkeley um, and violence. There was a turning point activist that was on Berkeley uh, doing uh, recruitment for Turning Point USA for their chapter uh, on that campus on UC Berkeley's campus. And this guy, the video has gone viral of who was literally punching uh, the one of one of the Turning Point USA people, of course, that doesn't get national attention. Nor did the eighty-one-year-old in the uh, uh, in the store that got assaulted. Nor did the stu- did the uh, young individual wearing a Make America Great hat. Uh, by the way, the eighty-one-year-old was wearing a Make America Great hat. Nor did the young person that was eating in a Mexican restaurant who was assaulted by someone that turned out to be an illegal alien that ICE later served a detainer on. So, you know, these are legitimate hate crimes. And that really is what they should be prosecuted as, Greg. Mm-hmm. The 
Of course, and you see what the authorities do. There was another incident in Berkeley where a professor, not from UC Berkeley, but from another university in the area, hit a conservative in the street over the head with a bicycle lock. And I mean that that that's that's really an assault with a de- with a deadly weapon that even even attempted murder because you you could kill somebody hitting them over the head with a heavy object like that, and that the liberal judge up there gave the professor probation. And you know that what if 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 the if the political alignment had been reversed between the perpetrator and the victim, you know that wouldn't have happened. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And, and and we see that in the way that they jumped on the whole Jesse Millett case right away within within an hour of that actually being uh, uh, of the media finding out about this. Not the word allegation was never used. They just jumped on it as if Jesse Millett had actually been assaulted. No, no word. Forget the use of the word allegation. They didn't use that. They completely treated it as if it had actually happened. So, you know, the the media loves the these cases when they support the narrative, but when they don't support the narrative, many of these videos, many of these assaults never see the light of day. Absolutely. Um, there's another important business that was done at the convention, and you were a delegate there. So let's let's t- let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the real serious business of choosing a new leader for the California Republican Party and whether and the choice that they made. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590, The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to the Unite IE Radio show, the show for the most important political office. Our listeners, you guys out there, the citizens of this great state and country, Greg, before the break, we were just chatting about this past weekend, a little bit of the frivolity that happened on the streets of Sacramento with Antifa harassing the Tea Party California Caucus's dinner at the Claim Jumper. But there was other important business, as you said, that took place. This entire convention was focused on the election of a new chair, vice chair, secretary, and treasurer. And... There was, I got to admit, having been there, I was, uh, uh, got there Friday morning, uh, left Sunday after the voting. This was a very energetic convention. One of the 
uh, it was the highest attended ever convention of California Republicans. And there was indeed an energy there that was uh, suggesting the possibility of a bright new future uh, for the GOP. Uh, Certainly one that, uh, you know, with new leadership, no matter who, uh, taking the party hopefully in a new direction. But the purpose, the big purpose, of course, was to decide who would lead the party into the 2020 election. Uh, And there were three candidates that were running. There was uh, our favorite, I'll just mention him up front, Steve Frank, who was running for chair. He, of course, is the uh, editor of California Political News and Reviews. Uh, And somebody I suggest everybody sign up for because he does great blogging and great interpretations of articles about everything from policies and bills to some of the insanity that's unfolding here. Uh, Also running was Travis Allen, the the governor, uh, former governor candidate for uh, the state of California. And then someone who's not a household name for people, Jessica Patterson, her uh, sort of claim to fame, if you want to call it that is that she ran a program called the Trailblazers uh, for the last four or five years. That program was designed to recruit, train, and uh, run the campaigns of uh, GOP candidates throughout the state. And right here in the Inland Empire, uh, one of our candidates, Bill Asaley, uh, was recruited Uh, was trained and was assisted by the program called the Trailblazers. And on election night, he was ahead on the day after he was ahead. But then the ballot harvesting took over and swamped him by 4,000 votes. So those are the candidates that were in play uh, at this weekend's convention, Greg. Right. And uh, also about Jessica Patterson, she's part of the establishment of the California Republican Party of her tra- of the 2.4 million dollars that her trailblazers raised and spent 1.2 million went into her pocket she was a she was an operative and worked on the campaign of of Meg Whitman which was a 160 70 million dollar disaster she was uh, she worked on the campaign of liberal shall we, republican nominal republican Neil Kashkari for governor so, I mean, she, in my view, there is no reason to believe that she will not be a continuation of what the Republican Party has been doing. And I've, as I've written and blogged many places before and after, if you like what the California Republican Party has been doing and accomplishing, she's your candidate. And, exactly. And we, and we had a choice. We had an opportunity, we had two opportunities, both Steve Frank and Travis Allen, of warriors for our cause. And... Unfortunately, they, you know, they didn't get it, and it was interesting as the, coming into the convention, both of them sent out emails saying that based on their count of delegates, together they had a majority and came back that uh, Patterson won on first ballot. And I just raised the question, I haven't heard, haven't heard a good answer, is because the ballot was entirely by, it was a secret ballot by electronic device. No paper record generated right. whatsoever is how do we know that vote was honest? And the answer is we don't. Well, you know, you, you, you don't. But I, having been there and having held those electronic devices and seen the way that the uh, process worked, there's a number of tests that go on beforehand. Um, 
I, I have a high degree of faith that the actual process of counting of taking and counting the ballots worked. Now, where I where I would say that there was some uh, finagery is that a word um, was in the um, nomination of delegates. I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of delegates who were first time delegates and a number of interesting conversations. Several of those delegates said, I've never really been that involved in politics in California. I was selected as a delegate to come here and vote. And under the condition that I was voting for Jessica Patterson. Now, I'm sure a little bit of that happened on both sides, but overwhelmingly, the number of people that were chosen to be delegates were given the instruction that as a delegate, your job this weekend is to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to vote for Jessica Patterson. I think that's the bigger uh, part of the story and why she ended up winning 54% to 46%. Now, it's a good news, bad news sort of result, Greg, because if you had asked me when I first started getting involved in politics and uh, particularly as a delegate for the California Republican Party, if I thought that there would be a vote that could be almost a break-even vote between the conservative uh, circles within the party versus the, as you like to call it, the establishment, would I have ever thought that it would have come that close? No. In fact, I asked Steve Frank that uh, in a call that we had this week, and I said, you know, where, where are the bright points in this? And he said, well, the first bright point is the result of this vote, 46 to 54 you would have never had that vote had it not been for the efforts of groups like the Tea Party California Caucus and other efforts to organize conservatives within the party. That represents an accomplishment uh, and a movement in that direction. He thought that, you know, if you'd have held a vote like this uh, four or five years ago, it would have looked more like 70-30, for the political insider, 30%. So it shows that there's been a lot of progress in terms of getting uh, conservatives involved in the day-to-day work of the party, getting them nominated as delegates. So there is progress, although it's painfully slow. Well, we'll see. And there's not a lot of time for progress. In in my view, and that's why I'm no longer a Republican, is... the California Republican Party is a is, is a waste of time and effort, and anything that's going to be accomplished of any use politically in California is going to be done around and in spite of the California Republican Party rather than because of the California Republican Party. Now, I'll be happy. I, I will be happy to be proven wrong, and maybe uh, Patterson will shed her uh, establishment credentials and background and actually do something. Great. We'll see. Well, we will see. And uh, I took issue with an article by Carla Marinucci. She uh, she is a reporter uh, journalist for Politico who wrote battered California Republicans elect Latina, a McCarthy ally to lead the party. The byline of the article is Jessica Patterson is the first female head of the state GOP and delegates also chose an Asian-American as vice chair and a gay man as treasurer. Now, what I want to share with you is this. I spent the entire weekend trying to figure out who to vote for, for the vice chair, for the secretary, and for the treasurer. Well, actually, 
the secretary was pretty much made up. That was a, an attorney out of San Diego who has been working with the Election Integrity Project for a long time. Uh, when I went down to the San Diego Central Committee meeting, he had a table there. I got introduced to him. And I got to admit, Greg, he had me at I have been working with Election Integrity Project because to me, one of the things that the California Republican Party should be doing is pushing back on all the electoral games, including the recent uh, electoral game of harvesting ballots. But the California Republican Party should be pushing back on all that. They're not. They're leaving the heavy lifting to EIP. And the fact that we now have a secretary who believes in the work that Election Integrity Project is doing, I think that that's a good thing. Um, But this byline of, you know, identity politics coming out of Politico, I got to admit, in all the people that I talked to while I was there, the 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 aspect of this that Jessica Patterson would be the first female head that the uh, we had an Asian American as a a vice chairman candidate and I didn't even know that the treasurer that I had already made up that I made up my mind that weekend to vote for was a gay man I didn't even know that that never came up in any of the conversations I had all weekend long and I talked to a lot of people about these various choices we in no conversation ever was there a conversation of look we have the opportunity to elect a female chair a Asian American vice chair and a gay man as treasurer didn't even cross our table and yet that is the way that this is the results of this election were presented by Politico it really shows you where these people were the uh, where these journalists and where the left comes from, because for them, it was all about identity politics, not the qualifications of these people for serving in these roles. Absolutely. And, and I think they really do see it that way is the first and foremost by any person is the color of their skin. Those other those other identity group characteristics so they know where to place you on the Democrat totem popes, um, there's, a, there's a microaggression, of victimhood. And they compete. The groups compete for who can be higher than other people. And our, our friend and sometimes guest, uh, Brandon Strzok, had experienced that. And he's, he's, he's a gay man, but he had a lower position on their totem pole than, because he's, he's a white male, than gay people who are of other categories and they, yep. and, and it breaks down and breaks down into finer and finer um, differences to see where you are on that, uh, on that totem pole of victimhood. And they, I mean, they really do see it that way. And the other observation is that, I mean, the one, the political article, there's other mainstream media articles um, that were complimentary of Patterson. And when the enemy likes your choice of leader, that's not, a good sign. Well, yeah, and depending upon why they liked her, like this political art article really liked her only because she was a female. They they go through and they talk about some of her uh, history, you know, that she was the CEO of California Trailblazers, um, what that was about, that she had won a spot after um, that she was involved in uh, Meg Whitman's campaign, uh, involved in other campaigns but never really discussed her qualifications or her even vision for the party going forward. Uh, kind of tells you where things where, where things are at. One other observation is, and I've, and I've heard this, is that the, because almost, almost all of the California electeds 
were for Patterson and even ones that were conservative like Melissa Melendez and they got they get to appoint the most delegates of anybody they got 10 each so and I met Melissa at a recent event and asked who she was for and I was surprised to hear Patterson because she's a real I mean she's as conservative as you get and what I've heard is that they, is they were leaned on is that basically if you want to have any campaign contributions in your next race you're going to support Patterson you're exactly right. That's exactly what I heard. They were essentially blackmailed into voting for her. So that's the outcome of that. We're going to uh, reap whatever the benefits are of that going forward. But we do have two good uh, conservative people uh, that I would say are not uh, part of the insiders uh, in the leadership. But we have lots more ahead on the United IE radio show, North Korea, the hearings this week, and some students that confronted Diane Feinstein about the Green New Deal. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. Welcome back to the United IE Radio Show, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizens. And coming up on April the 28th, Greg, we're going to have 800 private citizens assembled at the Doubletree Hotel in Ontario because that's the date and the location of our sixth annual Unite IE Conservative Conference. The people can go to the am590.info website in order to get tickets for. I think this is going to be a sellout, Greg. Well, I think so, and it should be, given the lineup of speakers, uh, Larry Elder, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, Tommy Laren, uh Brandon Strzok, uh, founder of the Walkaway Movement, and and others, including our one of our favorites, Rebecca Friedrichs, who is working both uh, trying to get teachers to opt out of their far-left teacher unions, but also fighting against the XXX sex education and indoctrination that's going on in the government-run schools. Yeah, indeed. And Rebecca is is mounting an effort that I think is part of one of the most important areas of activism that we can engage in because we keep complaining about the number of people that are coming out of our education system, both the primary as well as the university college system, which we call the secondary and the people that come out of that are have their heads filled with Marxist collectivist propaganda and believe in the collective over the individual. And when you have uh, students that are coming out with that mindset and the, and the anti-American mindset uh, that they are that's instilled in them, the fact that America is just fraught with original sin that is not surmountable and you almost have to destroy america in order to restart it we've got problems 
And I don't think that we can retrain these kids at rates that are fast enough. I feel a little like, Greg, that we're that we're bailing out a lifeboat, the lifeboat of America, the, the lifeboat that represents uh, freedom and liberty, true personal freedom, true personal liberty with a thimble. And they're filling it up faster. We've got to uh, do something about what's happening in schools. And I think Rebecca has her finger on the pulse of that. Um, so she is going to be one of our speakers. And then the other area that we'll get into at some other date, of course, is getting churches engaged because churches can actually be part of the solution for pushing back on this ballot harvesting. If we can get evangelicals and people of faith to register and then turn those ballots fill those ballots out and turn them over so that we can we can turn them in. I think we can actually push back on that. Oh, but we, this we, school we just, thing, go ahead. Go ahead. I say, no, you. Yeah, on, on, on the churches, yeah. If we could, There are 14 million evangelical Christians in California. About seven of them, seven million voted in 2016. If you could add one or even one or two million more to be biblical citizens and vote the way they believe— uh, you, you start winning legislative and congressional races around the state. And if you get three or four million, you're going to start electing statewide offices in California. And you just need them to fulfill the role of citizens that we talk about so much, consistent with their values as Christians or Jews or whatever, what their religion may be, to bring those values into the role of citizens and we can start winning. Now, an example of why taking back the schools is so important. There were a group of students. Now, Dianne Feinstein is one of our U.S. senators. We have two, Kamala Harris and Dianne Feinstein. And there were a group of students that were from California that went to Dianne Feinstein's office to, I think you could probably say, uh, demand that she vote for this Green New Deal. This this uh, video went viral, and we have a cut from it, and here's what that sounded like. We're going to go in and share this letter, and we're going to do it all together. Yeah. Share it in front of Feinstein. If we're asking her to vote yes on the Green New Deal. We are trying to ask you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. Okay, I'll tell you what. We have our own Green New Deal. Some scientists have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. What we can do Senator, if this doesn't get turned around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living with these consequences. The government is supposed to be for the people and by the people and all You know what's interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality. And I know what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe people should listen a little bit. 
I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. You're supposed to listen to us. That's your How old are your you? Jobs. How old I'm are 16. You I well, can't vote. you didn't vote. vote for me. Well, she, I'm she voted. It doesn't matter. We're the ones who are going to be impacted. something. It doesn't matter. We're going to be the ones who are impacted. I understand that. I have seven grandchildren. I understand it very well. Senator, the cost of and not taking this action is far higher than the cost of what the Green New Deal will be. And there Here's is enormous popularity for this bill around okay. the whole country. Here's and we're asking you to be brave and do this for us and for your grandchildren. Get enough for okay. I'm trying to do the best I can, which was to write a responsible resolution. Any plan that, that doesn't take bold, transformative okay. action is not going to be what we need. Well, we need you know better than I do. So I think one day you should run for the Senate. Great. I and then you do it your way. You, by, that time, you. meantime, by that time, there's going to be a big problem. I just won a big election. <laughs> so what do you think, Greg? Well, as Rush refers to products of the government-run schools, uh, indoctrinated skulls of mush. And where it's, where it's important is that these are, they're not voting yet, hopefully, although you never know, in California where anyone and anything can vote any number of times, is that, uh, and there's actually proposals in various states and cities to let 16-year-olds or younger vote. Because this, this, is, this is what you get. And... They obviously have gotten only one side of the issue, and that's what they've been told by their teachers. And then they were, by the way, Don, did you ever go to, take time off from school and go to Washington, D.C. to um, try to tell your senator how to vote when you were in school? I will tell you this. We took plenty of time off, not not big chunks, but there was plenty of field trips to Washington, D.C. to see the Treasury, to tour the Capitol, because I lived 90 Amen. miles away yeah, okay. in Baltimore. So there was plenty of uh, opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. just to see what was there. The idea of going into a an elected office to lecture them, though, no. That never happened. I can promise you that. And they have, uh, just, just the same way AOC has, is ignorant and indoctrinated, but absolute assurance because they, they've been taught and indoctrinated absolute assurance in their, albeit undeserved, intellectual and moral superiority. And, that, and so, so you look at the, and so you, we were talking before about what's, what's going to happen is when, these, when people like this, this that become voters, what is the future of the country, of the principles on which the country was based and became great, free, and prosperous? Of the Republican Party, and and it's not very good because in the 2016 election, if only 18 to 25 year olds voted, Hillary Clinton would have won with more than 500 electoral votes. Now, I kind of understand that these kids are um, having been indoctrinated. That this is what they did and die and find they were directed. And I really do resent using children as props for anything because it's so easy because they have no experience to manipulate them one way or the other. I think adults should be doing the lobbying. But what's interesting to see is how the adults reacted to the way that Diane Feinstein spoke to them. And I think she spoke to them as an adult, as a parent. But yet you have people that are now weighing in on this saying everyone needs to watch this video of Senator Feinstein 
disparaging literal children from what's called the Sunrise Movement, calling on her to support, you know, Senator, you know, AOC and Senator Markley's Green New Deal. Other people are saying, I did vote for you in 2016, as I have every time your name was on the ballot. But after seeing how you talk to children who are fighting to save the planet and are so correct on the subject, I can never vote for you again. Another one says, I'm proud. I'm a proud Democrat. And it was so hurtful how you talk to those children. You know, this is the problem today. Because if you think that Dianne Feinstein was talking in a way that was hurtful to those children, um, no wonder we have kids that are completely lost as they grow up into adulthood and don't understand what being a productive citizen, being an adult, uh, having a life is all about. Um these are adults that are responding to this. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. It is. And I, I would note that. I mean, Feinstein was a chief instigator and perpetrator of the rape hoax run against Justice Kavanaugh. And in my mind, she never, ever, ever gets political forgiveness or redemption for that evil and despicable act. But people on our side could learn a valuable lesson is that she did not kowtow to the young skulls of mush, of indoctrinated mush. And if the people on our side had as much backbone or even half as much backbone, and then our, I think our side would be doing better. Exactly. So this is the way the kids are uh, responding to the indoctrination that they're getting in some of these uh, uh, schools throughout California. Uh, this is a part of our activism over the next year. And we're going to be bringing in, as you said, Rebecca Friedrichs at the uh, sixth annual United IE Conservative Conference to show us how we can remove the money from the politics that is provided by union dues, number one. And number two, why it's important to get a hold of the curriculum because what these kids are being taught about everything from sex ed to gender uh, to other uh social justice warrior causes under the guise of health uh, is despicable. We can't even tell you on the radio what these kids are learning. It's ground zero for taking the Republic back. And I hope people will come ready to take action on schools. Absolutely. And you can get your tickets again at am590theanswer.com. Let's hear from our sponsor for this half of Unite, i.e. Radio, All-Star Collision, the place to go when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. 
And some of the other big news of the week is Donald Trump went to Vietnam for another summit with Kim Jong-un of North Korea to work on North Korean nuclear disarmament. And when North Korea did not offer satisfactory terms, Donald Trump got up and literally and figuratively walked away from the table, uh, calling to mind what Ronald Reagan did with um, Gorbachev at the Reykjavik summit when Reagan was president and when he couldn't, Reagan could not get what he thought was a good deal for America, he walked away from the deal. And what was inter- kind of interesting was going into it, the Democrats and the MSM, but then I was, I repeat myself, were saying, oh, Donald Trump is going to give away the story, he's going to make a bad deal just to make a deal and get a little bit of favorable media attention, divert attention from uh, the, the, the Cohen hearings and Mueller and all those kind of things. And of course, when, when he doesn't make a, a, de- a bad deal and walks away, then the same people turn around and say, oh, he failed the summit and, he, and he, he, didn't, he didn't make enough concessions to the North Korea, you know, so we didn't get a deal there. You, you know, you're exactly right. And a lot and a number of people have been observing this. Dan Bongino tweeted out confused liberals said Trump is going to get suckered and take a bad deal while the North uh, with the North Koreans. Same liberals. I can't believe Trump walked away from a bad deal while the North uh, with the North Koreans. You're exactly right, Greg. You know, with liberals, you can't there's no winning and we shouldn't expect there to be. But there was. An interesting comment by a CNN reporter who said the Hanoi summit may have ended abruptly, but the world is still safer today than it was during the quote unquote fire and fury period. Trump did not give away the farm for the sake of a big headline. He walked away from what he considered a bad deal while keeping the diplomatic doors open. That is and it's shocking it comes from a CNN journalist. Well, should we say probably soon to be former CNN journalist. That could be, but I don't blame him for walking away. And really, the longer term is not just a nuclear deal, but it's how do we bring North Korea into the 21st century of Western civilization? Right now, you have a North Korea and a leader who thinks that the U.S. wants to annihilate them uh, in, in engage in regime change and wipe North Korea off the map. That's the way the average North Korean is indoctrinated about the way that the rest of the world views North Korea. Kim Jong-un has a heavy lift at home to help these people understand that ultimately there is a, there is a goal out there where we will no longer look at each other as enemies for once and for him to be able to say to his everybody from his generals to the average person, I feel like we can trust the United States and I feel like we have a relationship that changes the whole dynamic um, with this and ultimately ends the war that has been that we've never we've never signed a peace agreement with North Korea. Right. And you know, I think I think we have a clip of a former president discussing nuclear negotiations with North Korea. I'd like to say just a word about the framework with North Korea that Ambassador Gallucci signed this morning. This is a good deal for the United States. North Korea will freeze and then dismantle its nuclear program. South Korea and our other allies will be better protected. The entire world will be safer as we slow the spread of nuclear weapons. South Korea, with support from Japan and other nations, will bear most of the cost of providing North Korea with fuel to make up 
to the nuclear energy it is losing. And they will pay for an alternative power system for North Korea that will allow them to produce electricity while making it much harder for them to produce nuclear weapons. The United States and international inspectors will carefully monitor North Korea to make sure it keeps its commitments. Only as it does so will North Korea fully join the community of nations. And, of course, we know that since then, uh, nuclear North Korea developed and built nuclear weapons. With that agreement, I want to know where all, in fact, I want to know where in, all those in, in place. I want to know where all those inspectors are these days. Maybe maybe they're trying to uh, inspect uh, the uh, and verify the Iran nuclear deal, which is which is, which is directly analogous. Where unlike we're well, not analogous, actually, it's the contrary. Is unlike walking away in the Iran deal, Obama just kept making concession after concession after concession, and the Iranians just kept demanding more and more and more, and because Obama so wanted that deal. It, it is arguably the worst deal ever negotiated. I know there are some, I, there are some uh, British people who think that May's, uh, uh, Prime Minister May's uh, Brexit deal is the worst deal ever negotiated, and certainly they are uh, both competing for that title. Uh, unlike where Donald Trump, is if a deal isn't good, I'm walking away. And I think we have a clip of Donald. Well, and we're working towards something, but we didn't sign anything today. It didn't quite work out. I would say that I wasn't satisfied and perhaps he wasn't satisfied. Good relationship. But I decided that this wasn't the right time to sign something. So we'll see what happens over a period of time. Exactly right. I mean, I think that this is what, what, we're, what we're seeing here is what uh, John Kerry, and his contingent of negotiators should have done with Iran when what Iran was proposing became a bridge too far. They were so desirous of a headline that they actually signed a bad deal in Iran, too. You got to be willing to walk away. And we said that at the time. I remember talking about that. And we said it's better to walk away if you don't get the deal. It, te- it, it, you control the situation so much better. And they didn't. If you're ever disappointed with what Donald Trump does or you think wish he would do more, and I think we all have moments like that, just remember the alternative of Hillary Clinton or a Democrat like Obama or Bill Clinton leading our country rather than Donald Trump and put it in proper perspective. Let's take another word, a break, friend, here from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. So, Greg, while Donald Trump was off trying to negotiate with a uh, regime that would ostensibly be in a position to wipe out a huge chunk of Western civilization, the Democrats took the opportunity to do everything they could do to wipe out Donald Trump and delegitimize him. 
throughout a five-hour hearing listening to a disgraced and felonious liar give them the information that they thought that they wanted. I don't think they got what they wanted, though. I'm not sure they did. I mean, and part of it was, well, Donald Trump, you know, they got the headlines and that they can run, you know, Michael Cohen's going to accuse Donald Trump of committing crimes. And, you know, so they, they can run, they can run with that narrative. But if you look at what um, Cohen actually said, it was, it was, you almost look at, is, is he really trying to help Donald Trump at this point and still not get, and still keep his, keep his plea bargain deal to minimize his sentence? And of course, here, here you have a guy that's been convic- that's convicted and, and admitted guilt of, among other offenses, fraud and lying to Congress, now testifying to Congress, represented by an attorney for Bill and Hillary Clinton. Now, if I don't know if that says, cre- what, what could possibly say credibility more than that? No, and, and on top of that, some of the questioning by Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows revealed the extent of the involvement of people like Adam Schiff, Elijah Cummings, the chair of these various committees that actually had conversations with Michael Cohen, not just his attorney, but Michael Cohen in advance of this to coordinate what probably ended up in his 20-page testimony that was submitted that he read over uh, the first roughly half hour. Uh, Joel Pollack pontificated that this hearing marks the end of government oversight. That might be a little too far, but I think he's on to something there that what happened in this hearing was nothing more than the Democrats trying to delegitimize and grandstand someone who all of a sudden they think they're going to get the truth out of who has lied and apparently uh, lied enough that both Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan are going to take perjury action against him. But even on that, I mean, there's several things that he said on the stand. uh, He said in his testimony, he wasn't after a job with the administration. Even CNN had to say, um, yeah, he was. And then, of course, WikiLeaks had to come out with a statement saying Julian Assange never had a telephone call with Roger Stone when he said, that he was in the office when he heard Roger Stone say, I talked to Julian Assange. This is just some of the crazy stuff that's coming out of this thing. Well, also, and, you know, the starting point of all this was the, was the Trump-Russia collusion, which we now know was a, was a complete and total hoax from the get-go, and they knew it when they, when they started this investigation. And Cohen confirmed that he has no information whatsoever that, or evidence whatsoever of any Trump Russia collusion or between or collusion between Russia and the Donald Trump presidential campaign. And the rest of it is, you know, we don't have time to get into it, but he actually is testimony. You can find stuff in there. that's actually helpful to Donald Trump. uh, If you go, if you go through the details, it's just another example of the Stalinist show me the man and we'll find a crime investigation that's been going on against Donald Trump since 2015 and so far they have come up with nada, zero, nothing. And that is all the time we have for this week on Unite IE Radio. Turn in next week at 4 p.m. for Unite IE Radio. Thank you for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.